Welcome to Jewish Boy Calls His Mother. I am your host, Sadia, and this is my mother, Ima. Hey, Ima. Hey, Chag Sameach. Chag Sameach. Yes. Um, we are. We had some some trouble starting the podcast this week because of Yom Tovim, um, but it all worked itself out. Everything is good to go. We're ready to start. So, the, what we talked about previously, um, we kind of prepped a little bit. Uh, first experience of a new invention, and we wanted to talk about a few of them. But the first one we're going to talk about was computers. So, Emo, what was your first feelings and thoughts when you saw a computer? My first feelings, duh. Well, the first computers were <clears throat> during the 1980s. <coughs> it was the Atari. And the irony was Atari was an American company, but they didn't think that they could make it with an American name. So they took on a Japanese sounding name. That's funny. People would buy from them. And the only thing that they were used for at the time were games. So I get, I get these calls from Atari uh, to buy their computer. I said, okay, how much is your computer? $1,000. So I said to them, well, I said, I would like a computer to be able to put my carpool list, my shopping list, and um, I'm telling them all the things that we do with computers today yeah. that I wanted to do then. And the lady said, I'm sorry, our computers don't do any of that. I said, then what good is your computer? She goes, you can play games on it. And I said, for $1,000, I'll go to the toy store and buy $1,000 worth of board games. I don't need your computer. <laughs> yeah, but um, honestly... The the Atari they make video games. You're, there's also but back in the eighties there was I think the, the Mac had had something going on. There was a few other computers that would do what exactly what you're talking about. Um, so that's why I'm con- a little confused. But I think oh, evident evident I don't know. Evidently, uh uh-uh, uh, or maybe it wasn't available to the public at the time. But I remember. Um, my doctor telling me, my pediatrician telling me that when Sinai Hospital went uh, full, fully computerized, yeah, and he used the computer for the first time, he figured, okay, he went on there, he typed in the information he needed, he got the information, and then he turned it off. He just switched it off. Oh, gosh. And he says, boy, were those doctors at Sinai Hospital mad with them. <sighs> Because in those days, if you just shut down your computer like that, guess what? You lost all the information. Oh my gosh. Um, so I was gonna ask you then, there's a few other inventions that like I was surprised that you actually remembered or it was an impact. Um, electrical waffle irons. Um, um my mother didn't use them. She didn't go in for newfangled stuff, but um, the first time I got a, it was a small, like a small, um, one of those electric waffle irons. Um, let's put it this way. I was wiping, I was wiping up the batter from all around the counter. After <laughs> I put in too much batter. After a while, I realized that with the new electric waffle irons, you don't really need to use that much batter. It was a small square electric waffle iron. It wasn't um, like one of these big Belgium Waffle irons. Oh wow! But um, <laughs> I um, uh, 
I don't know, like uh, I don't know how many years ago they came out with these these little mini cupcake uh, makers, and you could just put a little bit of batter in the cupcake tins, close it, and two minutes later have like twenty little cupcakes made. So um, there was a shaliach in um, one of the places in Maryland, and I was talking to her, and they every year they made these the Shalach Mothers packages, like hundreds of them to mail out to Jews in the area. And so she would make, she would use these little cupcake makers and make these little cupcakes uh, to be able to put in the Shalach Mothers packages. And she was saying what a machaya it was, that she literally was able to make hundreds of them within like 10 minutes. That's awesome. Yeah. Um- so I'm going, just going down a list here. Um, what about the fax machine? It's like, that's an invention that's like, it, it was convenience literally for like maybe 20 years before it became yes. obsolete. Mm-hmm. I remember the, the great thing about the fax machine. I couldn't believe it. It was amazing how it was like a miracle, how you could take um, a cop, uh, anything you wanted, put it in the fax machine, press the phone numbers, and the person received it on the other end. It was like it was. It's a, it was like a miracle. It was like, how on earth does this possibly work? It was. But the the first thing though was to finally figure out, like, um, and how do you put? It took a while to figure out how to put the copy in because with the old copiers, you would lay your copy in upside down. With the fax machine, you like kind of just fed it in normally. And I remember the old dial-up system, you'd hear, yeah, <laughs> you'd hear yeah, the, yeah. the dialing up. And sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't, and you would try to do it again. And again, sometimes it's a few times when it first invented to actually get that copy out there to the person you were trying to get it out to. But what about like when you were a kid, when there was like maybe color TVs or when- Oh yeah, that was funny. When I was a kid, when they first came out with color TVs, they had these dials on them that you fidgeted with to get color combinations. And of course, when we were kids, we liked to play with the dials. And it turned all the people's faces green and pink and all sorts of colors. We would sit there laughing and just fidgeting with this thing. Um, my parents did not get a color TV. At first, they said, hey, it's an extra expense. We don't need the black and white. is just as good. My parents were not the type of people that were about to spend money on the latest invention. Then there was that kid I was babysitting for in a very rich neighborhood. And he said, I'm sorry, the color TV is broken. You're going to have to watch the black and white. Oh, the horror. In fact, there was a joke about very wealthy kids who that's how their parents punished them. That that night they could not watch the color TV. They had to watch the black and white. So I, I, I know like the ultimate of punishments. I guess in a way, like, what about... Oh, did I mention about the shoe? The shoe x-ray? No, they eventually took off the eventually took off oh. the market because it was high in radiation. No, no, please tell me. Okay. They had these... Uh, it was like a large vertical box. And you could try on your shoes that you were buying in the shoe store. You put your feet with the shoe under the... Under this, like... Um... You stood on it, and then you put your feet under this 
like square hole and you look through the top of it and it was an x-ray machine and you could see the bones of your toes through the shoe so you could see how the shoe fit. So if it was a perfect fit or not. Uh, like I said, they took them off the market because they found they were chock full of radiation. Oh gosh. And then there was uh, the, with television. I remember, I think we mentioned about how the, all my, people in my generation would wake up early in the morning, come downstairs to the living because the TV was in the living room. Thank you. And they would um, go over to the TV and turn it on and they'd stand right there against the television in their pajamas, sucking in all that nice radiation. The TV at the time, the radiation was higher than TVs much later on. Later on, they, were, they backed off on the radiation. So, oh, but I was reading an interesting book about the first atomic bomb experiments. Yeah. And I'm reading, this is, this book was written like in the 1950s, making it, you know, it was an actual account of what they went through. And I was hollishing reading this. I was, I read this book around 19, I read this book like around 1974. Okay. It was written in the mid 1950s. And it taught about how the soldiers would go to these fields. They would just get behind like this barrier and they would put these, um, uh, these like coverings over their eyes and cover their ears, and they would actually explode the atomic bomb. Yeah. And then afterwards, the soldiers would run onto the field to laugh and to pick up like all this these rocks that were like totally melted and in different shapes, and how they were laughing about what the atomic bomb did to all these like rocks and feet. You want one? Go ahead, take it. Thank you. These pieces of lead and everything. And me from 1974, new idiots, you're exposing yourself to all this radiation. As a matter of fact, there was a lawsuit many, 20 years later. Indeed, many of these soldiers came down with leukemia and there was a massive lawsuit at the time against the United States government. Oh, wow. That these soldiers brought against them that served in the 1950s, these atomic bomb experiments. Well, I, it's funny you say that because I remember uh, someone that went to our shul, he passed away. And he was he was a medic and a gunner in Vietnam. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, from '67 uh -huh. to '73. And I remember having a conversation with him, and they were he was telling me that he was exposed to Agent Orange, which was yes. a chemical that they used in Vietnam, and he had mm -hmm. medical issues because of that. And like yes. the VA, like like they tried working with him and whatnot, but like I think there was there were some problems that he had too. Um, mm. but like I'm because I'm trying to think. I mean, I have a whole long list. I think I remember like you were saying that, you know, things like seatbelts and other safety mechanisms like airbags, like the experience that you had when you were when it first came out, some people even were protesting it. Well, the seatbelt situation, it took manufacturers time to catch up. A lot of people wanted seatbelts. And at that time, you had to pay extra. Oh, wow. And quite a few hundred dollars extra if you wanted seatbelts. Eventually, though, the government mandated it, which was good, that they, that they mandated it. But I remember the debate that went on about the seatbelt, how people were talking about accidents where the seatbelt actually impaired the person's ability to try to get out like of a burning car and actually contributed to people dying. But um, that is where that basically the average person, the average accident, Lives and injuries could definitely be saved by seatbelts. There was a very famous sports announcer at the time named Bailey Goss. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And he was killed in a car accident. He, I, at that time, he was not wearing a seatbelt because seatbelts were not mandated. And he hit the windshield. I remember my parents talking about it and saying, imagine, had Bailey Goss been wearing a seatbelt, he would have been alive today. Wow. I mean, what about with you and your friends when you were teenagers? Was there anything that new that came out back then that you really, you know, took advantage of or you were really intrigued by? Well, you mentioned something about calculators one time. Yeah. Um, when calculators first came out, it was considered cheating. Any mm. student caught with a calculator during a math or science test would um, it would be confiscated and you get an automatic F on the test. Oh, wow. You were expected to use your brains. Jeez Louise. Mm-hmm. Well, and we well, did. Believe me, that, you know that when I was taking trig analytics, um, and geometry and also like higher mathematics, I was calculating numbers on paper in the billions. Wow. That's I wasn't, cool. yeah, I, I, I never used a calculator. As a matter of fact, I was with a woman one time who, um, she, uh, she was a real estate agent. We were calculating, um, like housing, like uh, house payments. I'm, you're finally considering moving as we always were the entire time we lived in our house. We were, always considering moving yeah never did but except for you know finally when um your father retired but um she says to me how much is seven times eight and i said 56 she goes you're wrong it's 57 i said do it again she pressed the wrong button which shows oh, you wow. the importance of knowing your math you can make a mistake you can press the wrong button and you should, that's why you should know basic math oh 100 i mean when i'm at work I, I i do math so much that certain things i just know like you just you just understand like a quarter, an eighth, a sixteenth, a thirty second. Like you just you know these things so quickly. But it's also the idea where it's like you know th- this. There was this game called "Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader?" You know. Oh, I remember and, that. And it was a whole thing of like trying to show it was like the I guess the first impressions like, oh, you're so dumb, you really don't realize how smart fifth graders are. But it's really like how much useless information fifth graders need to know and how what kind of information you really need to know to function in this world as, a, as an adult. You know, well, I don't know if you heard about this, but DeSantis um, made a very brought up was talking about college education. Yeah. And he brought up some points that people have been thinking about for decades, but haven't voiced. He basically was talking about the value of a college education. Yeah. And he said, okay, it's one thing. If somebody knows they want to be a doctor, knows they want to be a lawyer, knows they want to be a teacher, knows they want to be an engineer, an yeah. architect, you know, and you need a BA degree for this, like your master's, maybe a PhD. Okay. You know, if you, if you know definitely what you want to go into and a college degree is required, fine. But he says, we have a lot of people who are going into a tremendous amount of debt coming out with unmarketable degrees and are winding up working in jobs in many cases that only require a high school diploma after spending, after borrowing all that money and spending all that money. And he says he thinks that high school students should not be, he called it being funneled. He says it's unfair to automatically funnel high school students into college. High school students need to look at other options and think about them. And he gave an example. He says, truck drivers making the six figures. Yeah. So he said, truck drivers make a lot more than people with BA degrees. 
in many cases. And I was thinking about the people I've met who have associate degrees or who have gone for like a six month training course. Yeah. And wow. And these people made tremendous amounts of money, much more than your father and I, both of us, both he and I had BA degrees. See, tremendous amounts more. I met, I met when we were in Israel. Yeah. Your father and I met a man who was a a retired lumberjack. Oh, he's a lumberjack. He's okay. (laughs) Yes. And, he was from Oregon. He was a Christian man from Oregon. Yeah. And he and his wife, after they retired, decided, you know, this was their dream to go to the Holy Land to see all the, you know, old Bible spots. Yeah. They promised themselves this. He was making six figures with a high school diploma. So he was telling us, people didn't understand. He says, they think a lumberjack just comes in with the, with the buzz song, just chop down the tree, yada, yada, that's it. No. He says, you have to know every single type of tree that is that grows in that area because every different species of tree has a different way of needing to be cut down. And if you do not cut it the right way, the wood is going to be totally ruined and useless and you're going to lose a lot of money. Wow. Yep. And he was, we didn't realize how complicated it was. What an education, basically, it was. Well, the thing is also, and and I was honestly I was duped because I remember being in high school and being in middle school, and speaking to people who, you know, I went to camp with, and they were in Lubavitch camp, and Lubavitch they don't really focus on college education that much. They kind of be like, you don't need to go to have a college education. Don't focus on it. You know, there's other options, other avenues. And I was just mind boggled. I'm like, what do you mean? You need to go to college. You need to have a degree. You need to get to make that money. You can't do anything but a college degree. And like after I, I went through college and had my own little journey, I was like, wow, they really had a point. Like, it's kind of stupid. Like, why should I go ahead and be swimming in debt for something that makes like no sense? Like, it is absolutely ridiculous, you mm-hmm. know? And that's where like it does kind of have a point where it just kind of useless mm-hmm. yep. like I said it's um, what it is is we need to be vocationally focused don't just think whether college, 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 college stop, think what profession do you want to go into yeah and yeah, does this profession require a college degree okay, if it does, that's one thing if it doesn't, that's, you know that's something to be considered yeah, I, mean, I, I know a man. I think I have so many friends of mine, like one man in particular, who has a degree in urban planning. He's working behind a deli counter. Oh wow! Mm-hmm. Look, if you can pay your bills, it's just that's where it gets to a point. Um, you know, I, I I don't care. I really don't care. Um, listen, you're you're in a profession that you that you like that you wanted to go into. Yeah, no, I understand. I understand. Yeah. Uh, but we let's let's although, stop. Although, what I, although what I like about my whenever I get these calls from people about, um, hey, would you like to lower your college debt? I said I don't have a college debt. I made money in college, <laughs> so I did. I got a full scholarship. Plus, I worked like two and three different part-time jobs and saved my money. I made a profit when I graduated college. 
I was able to afford a car and a tri- and a trip to uh, Switzerland and Israel. Oh wow! Um, so back to what we were saying beforehand. Um, so I guess I became, ban- I became bankrupt when I married your father. Of course, of course. What was your impression of the internet when it first came out? Um, hmm. I'm trying to think. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, in Chabad, before the internet, we had that. Um, we had the internet. We had uh, the telephone dial-up, where when the Rebbe had to bring him. We used to um. Well, you, what you would do is you could buy, you could rent these transistor radios that had interpreters on them for the Fabringans. And you went, you went to this building and they had these desks. The desks said German, French, Russian, English, Hebrew. And you could buy whatever, um, whatever transistor radio would give you the interpretation you were looking for of the Rebbe's Fabringans. And we would be sitting there waiting for the Fabringen to begin. And you could hear over your earphones the sounds from the main center where they were dialing up countries all over the world. You could hear people dialing in, you hear voices saying, Melbourne, you can say Moscow. You hear all these people calling in from announcing their city. Hi, yeah, we're connected, that they were connected. Yeah. You know, Greenland. <laughs> It was, it was quite, it was, that was quite amazing. Now, when the internet first started, we had um, some friends that we used to have over for Shabbos who asked, they were working on like one of the first internet businesses. And these people told me at that time, you had to sign up for a time slot on the internet. And the best time slot was in the middle of the night. So they actually had to wait for 12 midnight. They, their time slot was 12 midnight to two in the morning. And oh, wow. you had to do everything, like all your business had to be done within those that two hour slot. Oh, I'll tell you wow. the truth though, as far as like the internet and the computer. Yeah. I don't know. I wasn't impressed. Really? I just no, I just said, ah. At my idea and, and, and the cell phone it was like when the cell phone first came out, it was uh it was expensive. And a lot of friends of mine and I said, ah, who needs it? We have a telephone. We don't need a cell phone. Jeez, but yes. then when it came, when it became cheaper and everybody was finally getting cell phones, we saw what a brooker it was that this is fantastic. I mean, you know, like if you're, if you're stuck on the road, something's wrong. You can pick up your cell phone. You can call your family, tell them where you are. It's, um, we real and funny thing was you had all these from people saying, "Oh, this is evil. Oh, this is horrible. Our kids are being exposed to all this, you know, um, horrible non-Torahic information." I never saw it like that. I I've always thought it was a bracha and a mm. safety feature. And when they passed, um, when they said the school, the, the rule was that they didn't want any students having their cell phones. Yeah. I spoke to the principal of Beisiakov High School. I said, "I want." my daughter to keep her cell phone on her at all times. Mm. As far as I'm concerned, this is a safety feature. And at Columbine, the way that the police, that the students were able to get in touch with the police and get help was that there were some students that were hiding in a closet that used their cell phones. 
had their cell phones on them. And I mentioned this to the principal at the high school. And I said, this is a safety teacher, especially for a girl. I want my daughter to always have her cell phone on her. And he said, well, I'm sorry, those are the rules. They can be exposed to all sorts of like, you know, foreign, like non-sinistic ideas. I go, look, I said, being exposed to non-sinistic ideas versus their lives. If God forbid there's a, some sort of building invasion and they have to hide and call the police. I said, I want my daughter to always have her cell phone on her. So he said, well, I'm sorry, yada, yada, yada. You know what I mean? To, 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 I hate to say it, but to argue with those people as a kid, you're into a brick wall. That, that's... So I just told you kids very quietly. I said, look, hide your phone, you know, turn your phones off and hide them. And, but I want you to keep your phones on you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I remember like my school had this whole rule where you weren't allowed to have cell phones. And I had this cute little trick because there were moments where they would do pat downs where they would pat, pat the kids down to make sure they didn't have a cell phone or check their locker. And I actually had a, a jock strap. Ima, can you possibly go somewhere where there's not a lot of noise? I'm getting a lot of feedback. Yeah, I will. Yeah, I know they're, um, they're listening to. All right. It's I, kind I, of loud, guys. Yeah, no, I, I know it, it's been going on for a while. I'm trying not to say anything. I'm just. I'm, I'm, okay, I'm they're watching. Right they're watching a movie. Yes, yes, thank okay. you. Just, I'm going to another room here. Thank you. I appreciate that. Okay. Um, yeah, so like I actually had like a jock strap and I hit it. And that's where I had, you know, you know, I wasn't worried about path downs. Um, yeah. I, I, I think, what about the radi- what about the radiation? <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll find out in the future. But like, <laughs> that's the other thing. It's just you know, uh, that's that's a different different topic we could talk maybe next. I mean, maybe next week about mm-hmm. the ridiculous rules schools have. But... We already covered that, but did we? I, I feel, oh yeah. I feel, this way, I feel this way about it. Look, you know, I had a education professor in college who said it's every student's divine right if they choose so to fail. And if you're going to be stupid enough to plug into your cell phone to not pay attention and fail your test, so be it. It's your own fault. You'll suffer the consequences of that. Yeah. But I don't think the schools have a right to pat anyone down. You know, I I, I didn't know that they were doing this. I wish I had known um, at the time. But to pat kids down, to check through their things, to treat them like criminals. No, I'm sorry. That 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 should not be. I'm but sorry. That, but that's a problem with schools in general, where they treat the kids like criminals. I mean, public schools. There's police officers. You have hall monitors. You have all these things treating you like a freaking prisoner. I remember being in a, being in middle school and high school. I felt like that. You know, it's just you, you don't feel mm-hmm. like you're being educated. You feel like you're trying to like yeah getting caught by doing something that you're not doing anything wrong. Mm-hmm. So true. There was this one girl who um, was wearing a sweater that had. Um, uh, Red, red, white stripes. Yeah. And the teacher, when she came into the room, laughed and said, uh, "Don't you think that sweater's a little depressing?" Oh my god! A red and like white, a, red and white stripes, prison uniform, the old prison uniforms. The old with prison the red uniforms, and white stripes. Red and white. I thought they were black and white. No, years ago, years ago, the the prison uniforms years ago, like you're talking about, like from the last century or something, all had red and white stripes. Yeah, I don't. <coughs> yeah, I don't really. You know, when think... you see cartoons, when you see like old cartoons that shows prisoners. I thought they're always in black and white. I'm almost sure it was. I'm almost sure it was red and white. Well, we can look it up. 
Yeah, I guess. I don't know. Prison uniforms of the last century. <laughs> last prison uniform. I think. No, I think the 19, of, the, of the 1800s. 1800s. Yeah. Anyways, um, moving on. What about text messaging? What was your experience with text messaging? My first experience with text messaging um, was I didn't exactly know what to do. <laughs> and your sisters, my tech support, your sisters, showed me how to send text messages and how to um, how to type things out on them, you know, on the, using the keyboard and how to make capitals and this. So my first text message was to your sister. We were shopping at some store. And um, so we were in different sections of the store. And uh, so I sent her a text message about where I was and, you know, and when we should meet up and being very trained in, in, in English grammar. That was my, that was my forte. And, um, in school, I did always very. I always got A's in English grammar. I texted mm-hmm. her a message, a few messages, and afterwards, when we finally met up, she says to me, "I love reading your text messages. They are so clear. They, uh, they are so understandable. I have no trouble understanding them, as opposed to other people who text like with all this. Uh, how can I say it? Like text lingo, where everything is abbreviated." And it's like BFF, like, what the heck is that type thing, you know? And I said to her, well, maybe there's a reason for good grammar and good spelling. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> oh, but my, my pediatrician tells me an interesting story about technology. Yeah. He said his wife worked as a cashier. And she was like one of the older cashiers. You know, she, was, she was in her 50s at the time. And all yeah. the other cashiers were like young people in their, you know, early 20s. And the computer crashed. Something happened to the computer. And all the cash registers could not function because they were all computerized. She took out a big piece of paper, took the next customer, and just wrote everything down longhand and added it up and continued working while everyone else there just sat and did nothing and waited for the computers to get rebooted. Oh, wow. That's really cool. Um, we're running see out. Of... Good, see what a good education you do for you. Yes, a good education, one hundred percent. Yes. Um, what about barcodes and um, yeah, I think yeah. Barcodes... I remember when it first came out with barcodes. It was what's that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, barcode. Uh, what's a barcode? Well, I remember one time one of our computers. Um, we we had some problem with our internet connection or something. And so we um, had to do something with the computer. So I called our server at the time. I think it's called the server, the one that provides you with your internet service. I called the server. Yeah. So I called, it was Verizon. I called Verizon. And so she decided she was going to walk me through it. So she says, first of all, she says, make sure all the wires are connected to your router. I got my what? Your router, your what, my what? What's a router? She goes, you know, that big, tall, um, cylindrical thing that's next to the computer screen. I go, what's that? She goes, that's actually the computer. That's your hard drive and your computer. I go, that's my computer? She goes, yes. I said, oh, I thought the screen was my computer. She says, no, the screen is the screen. The real computer is in that long, tall, cylindrical thing. So she says, I want you to see, to press your hard drive. My what? My, your hard drive. What's that? 
So she says, you know what? She says, why don't you just give me the passcode to your computer and we will fix it by remote control. <laughs> so I did that. I gave her the passcode and I just sat there looking at the screen as all this stuff is bouncing around and turning on, turning off, bouncing, turning on, turning off, turning off. Finally, I could, it took about like 10 minutes, 10, 15 minutes, the whole thing was fixed. And she returned control of my computer to me. And I thanked her. So there was a woman in our congregation who this woman was operating computers when they were in their infancy. And this woman, brilliant woman, knew all the ins and outs of what to do with every computer. And so we used to joke around about how computer ignorant I was my, uh, among the um, you know, technologically challenged. So I came over to brag to her. I said, you should see what I did. I, we had trouble with our internet connection. And you should see how I fixed my computer. She goes, yeah. I said, yeah. I said, I pressed this code. I pressed that code. I pressed this button. I pressed that button. And she goes, yeah, yeah. And I go, and I gave my passcode over to Verizon and had them totally fix it by remote control because I didn't know what that guy was doing. <laughs> <laughs> she cracks up laughing. Oh my and God. she says to me, look, who cares? It's fixed. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, I have those problems right now when like I'm at work, and I'm trying to get something done, trying to resolve an issue. And it gets to a point where, you know, like I'm Googling all the answers, Googling all the answers, and like I'm not getting anything. And I finally just, you know, contact IT. And it gets to a point where the IT is like, I have no idea what's going on. I don't know what to do. And like, we have to just figure things out. Like I had this, this one issue um, with it, my work. I had like this the computer program I was using to draft all the uh, all my um, architectural drawings and it wasn't working properly. So like I, it took me the whole day and a half to like have these IT issues. But like it was just crazy. It was just ridiculous. What happened? Did the, was the um, were your IT people ever able to um, fix it or to solve the problem? No, I mean, it still had issues, still had problems um, and whatnot. But Whatever it is, what it did is. You, did you talk to John? Did you talk to John? Oh, I see. Was what you're it saying. John? Did John fix your problem? Was it John? Yeah. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Actually, no joke. I I had this um one person call me up while we were driving, um, and I decided to go ahead and pull a prank with them because they were trying to be like, you know, what's your name? What's your information? Blah blah blah, and like, is your TV on? Yada yada yada, and then like <laughs> I was like, yeah, sure, of course, my TV's on. Man. Then like I had this whole thing where it's like, wait, hold on, I, 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 hold on one second. I just, I feel like I, I see somebody outside my house. I, I don't know what's going on. Can you, can you wait one moment? And like I made it sound like I was getting murdered, and then, <laughs> then turning, then turned off the the the, the phone. Uh, I, I thought it was funny. I thought it was entertaining. That's funny. <laughs> well, this past week, I had I had a um tech problem a horrible tech problem what happened was we went to the beach so we went over to the parking thing and you're supposed to you you know I've, I've done this before you put your credit card in um you put how much time you want and a piece of paper comes out and you put it on your dashboard right well yeah. some this machine was not working mm -hmm. so it said to um it said there was an, uh, a big uh poster over it that said to download the mobile app, the parking mobile app, and um, that way it'd be easier. So mm -hmm. I downloaded the parking mobile app. 
I put in the information. Like you put in, um, they have the number of the parking zone you are and your location, and you fill in your um, license number, license plate number. Yeah. And I went to, um, I went, I pressed, you know, to, to you know, uh, what's it? Um, uh, when you want to pay at the end, um, you know, going you know, to, to pay at the end, you know, pay, finalize, pay. Yeah. And it wouldn't let me. So it said, it, it said it wanted my, it wanted my, um, uh, it wanted my, um, uh, uh, my email address. So I put in my email address and I had set up, you know, when I got this mobile app, I set up a um, code, you know, a regular you know, passcode. It says, what's your passcode? Put it in. Sorry, we don't have any passcode or email by that address. I go, what? So finally, I just, I'm doing this over and over and over again. And I'm here in the, I'm here at the beach at the, I, I want to get to the beach and the heat is stifling. It's Florida and the heat is really, I'm in the sun and the heat, heat, heat. So, I'm, and I had just gotten over being sick. So I feel about to pass out. So I called their 877 number and it said to talk to a real person costs you $5. Hell, I don't care. I'll pay a thousand dollars at this point. You know, just get me in touch with a human being. So I got in touch with John, and John tried to put the information through, and it wasn't working. So he says, "Hold the line. Let me see what I can do." And he's gone for like about five minutes. He comes back. Okay, he says it should be fixed now. What's your license plate number? He gives him my information. Still doesn't work. Tries again. Finally, it was like the tenth time. It finally went through. I don't know what it is. And I'm seeing all these other people are coming over to these parking things and they're putting the information in their mobile app and they're clicking and they're just walking right onto the beach. No, not me. I'm sitting there in the heat for like a half an hour trying to get this thing to work. I'm telling you, technology does not like me. Well, that's our time. I love you, Ima. <laughs> Have a wonderful weekend. Uh, weekend. Have a wonderful Yom Tif. Um, I'll see you soon. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. You can find us on YouTube and Facebook at Jewish Boy Calls His Mother. I know you would like it, and my mother would too.